You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show, of course, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. And David Hobson, this is Steve Zatke, along with the Polish pipe bomb, Jeff Orlowski. Uh, good morning, Steve. We got racing. It's the Texas show. Yeah, yeah. Everything is bigger in Texas, like I teased on, in, uh, on Facebook this morning. We have NASCAR in Fort Worth, and we have Formula One in Austin. Yep, busy, uh, busy weekend. Just down like there. the Midwest, it's a bit chilly, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit, little bit. Should be, uh, should be fast speeds, and you know Texas is notoriously fast to begin with, so not a uh, big shocker that it's going to be uh, a, a very fast racetrack. Should make for some exciting racing uh, down in Texas for both races. You know, I heard the F1 race down there is is phenomenal, and they put on a hell of a show. But uh, you know me, so my interest is with uh, with the NASCAR race uh, coming up tomorrow. But um, yeah, a heck of a weekend for uh, race fans down in uh, in the Lone Star State. Let's take a quick look down here. I want I want to get a weather for uh, weather day. Oh, Dennis is good. Good, glad that to was, hear. That was Dennis. Hi, Dennis. Dennis texting in. Thank you, Dennis. There we go. We'll put that on mute. There you go. As I said, there's never enough time between shows. Yeah, it's a quick turnaround. It is. All right. What do we got here? We have in Austin. Well, let's see. Fort Worth is now 57 degrees. It is still morning. And then Austin, we have, looks like it's about 54. So mid-50s. I'd take it. Sunny. Well, right now compared to what we have up here yeah so what did you think of that snow halloween snow sucks man it sucked the old record was what 0.4 just under a half an inch and we blew that right out of the water didn't yeah, we? we got about six inches by me and um you know so it goes it's it's coming but that was a little too early to start the longest six months of the year apologies to the meteorologist that i was cussing the day before saying there's no way we're going to get that much snow it's too warm the ground is too warm. The lake is too warm. Everything's too warm. Blah, blah, blah. Wasn't too warm. It wasn't too <laughs> warm. I was thinking, well, then they were kind of hedging their bets. Well, you know, the grass will get more than the pavement. The pavement is warmer. I'm thinking, this isn't, well, you guys, 
like adding it, like you get an inch, it melts, you get an inch, you adding it that way. I mean, if something wasn't, it didn't seem right, but then you're like, oh boy, look at this stuff pile up. Well, here's my problem, okay? So I had enough snow on the driveway where I should have got out there and shoveled, but I didn't. And so I'm sitting there and I'm watching TV and I hear this snowblower going and my wife's like, it sounds like somebody's snowblowing our driveway. And I said, no, nah, that's the neighbor. <laughs> and so then I uh, I look outside later and yeah, somebody did snowblow my driveway. Oh, that's nice. So it could either be the neighbor next door to me or across the street from me. So now do I have to snowblow each one since I don't know who did it? Like, why couldn't they yeah. left their initials in it? So I know, like, okay, it was the guy next door, and I only got to do his, or it was the guy across the street, I only got to do his. You know, like, I'll help you, you know, we all help each other out when, uh, you know, if it's snowing a ton, and I know, you know, one of the guys is at work, I'll I'll sit you, there and especially you want to know what the protocol is? Yeah, hit me. You're screwed. I know. That's what I figured. Because you're home most of the time. So the guy who, who's ever home has to do it. Yeah, well, yeah, no. But uh, see, if I was see when I lived in the city, or at Jackson Park, I had an uh, an old geezer next to me, and uh, he would do it when it was if it was a smaller one, he'd get out there with a snowblower and do mine. Okay, but I would always reciprocate on weekends and when if if I could do it, if I was there, the understanding was if 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 I was home, I would do it. Yeah, if it if it came like during work. Like during the day, then he would do it, and then he would do mine too. Yeah, I try to pay him back, you know, especially like if it's a big one, you know, I might just do like the edge of the of the driveway where the plows come and and, and nail you, mm-hmm. depending on how cold it is. But you know, I always pay you him. No, I thought but... living in a gated community though that would have been all taken care of. Well, the thing is, okay, so I've lived in my house six years. I've never cut my grass. I'm gonna have to sit there and get a snow service too. I I am you know just so lazy. Just and have it set up for the big ones. If it's over six inches, come on out. Yeah, that's what I got. What What do you have for a snowblower? Um, one of those big ones with the auger, or do you have oh, like yeah. a flipper style? Oh no, big one. And you may make it ten inches. But the thing is, is that uh, I I bought my snowblower. They you know put it together or whatever. So I picked it up. I brought it home. And of course, it doesn't snow for like you mm-hmm. know four months. Right. So then I start I start the thing up the first time I need it, and I have a one wheel drive snowblower. Only one of the back tires, uh, you know, spins. it wasn't hooked up. Yeah. Yeah, and so and it's been that way for about five years now. You never fixed it. No, I never fixed it. So I I gotta fix the damn thing, but you know, and it's huge, it's wide, and everything does you know does a a, a good amount of area, but. My neighbor that lives across the street, he's got one of them small, kind of narrow ones, and his does a hundred times better job than mine because his actually gets down to the pavement. I like and that. And mine'll yeah. leave like a little oh, layer I hate the underneath. Little, yeah. It sucks I because like it, it ices over. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, the the reason you got it is to get to the pavement, mm-hmm. so you're not slipping and sliding all over the place. And I end up slipping and sliding anyway. So. Nothing better than that nice smooth. It's all. Hello. Dries up real, and then the sun comes out afterwards, and it's all nice and dry. Yeah, would be nice. And you got you know thirty inches of snow on either side of you. Yeah, would be nice. That was uh, seven hundred and something dollars wasted, but you know it's only money. <clears throat> so gotta love it. Racing, racing. You know what? The Xfinity series is racing tonight. 
Yeah, yeah, they are. That under uh, the lights. I've got Saturday night plans now. So you're gonna watch that. Well, it'll. I'll be flipping probably between that but, and college football. Yeah, but I'll I'll be watching some of it. So, which for the Xfinity series is a lot. Because you know we know it all. It it sucks, but uh, you know I'll I'll be watching some of it. They had practice yesterday. Clint Boyer was quick. Yeah, well, all the Stuart Haas cars, with the exception of Suarez, was fast at Texas. And um, Ricky Stenhouse was up there. Eric Jones, Kurt Busch, not a surprise there. Hamlin, the usual suspects. Amarola was up there. Who wants to kill uh, Kyle Busch? We'll talk about that in a little, little bit. Uh, Will Byron, though. How about that? Yeah, yeah, Willie B's coming on He's strong. He's been making a nice... Uh... Late-season push. Yeah. Yes, he has. In fact, he even thought it was Jeff Gordon in that car last race. <laughs> How about that? Uh, the five-lap average, Denny Hamlin, Boyer, Truex, Eric Jones, Amarola. Yeah, the 10-lap average, Boyer, Harvick, Boucher. Yeah. Kyle Busch, Ricky Stenhouse, Amarola. Yep. Stuart Haas, like I said, three out of the top four, dominating in the uh, five and ten lap uh, uh, averages, which is, you know, the best indication come race day on how these guys are going to run. And I'd like uh, to see Boyer win. He's due, man. You know, it seems like every year for like the last, you know, what, two, three, four years, you know, Boyer's racing for his contract. I like, uh, you know, Kyle, Kyle Larson's my favorite. And Christopher Bell will be, you know, they'll be 1A and 1B just because where they came from and their roots. But personality-wise, I think, I think Clint Boyer, I think, is my favorite. Well, if you had 40 Clint Boyers on the track as opposed to 40 Austin Dillons, the series would or, be so much popular. Or 40 Joey Logano's. <laughs> uh, I'm going to hit you on the way as I walk away. Yeah, I'm going to shove you in the shoulder. And then uh, is that is, is that, does that epitomize what's wrong with the cup garage? No, but it for, for us guys for us guys who were brought up on, you know, of course I, I don't remember Curtis Turner racing too young for that, but you know you hear the Curtis Turners. I knew the Curtis Turner stories, Joe Weatherly and all those guys, and then you hear you know you hear about. Of course, there's the 79 fight, Donnie Allison, Bobby Allison, Kill Yarbrough, and all that. But there was tough guys. I mean, Dale, the original Dale, was a tough guy. You wouldn't want to mess with guys like, you know, Ricky Rudd. You know, these are guys you wouldn't want to mess with. Right. You know, Harry Gant, super nice guy, but that guy was put together. He built houses on the spare time. Yeah. You weren't going to mess with him. No, thanks. You know, and uh, then you have Joey Logano. It doesn't epitomize a NASCAR garage. It epitomizes Joey Logano. You know, and like what I've always said for years, Steve, is I would love for them to have a boxing ring in the middle of the infield for after the race, you know, Hamlin can challenge Logano. It'd be like Screech. Well, Hamlin could challenge Logano to a fight. Logano could run away. So, you know, Hamlin would sit there and, you know, be able to to talk all the smack he wanted because Logano, you know. And ha- Hamlin's got a torn it. labrum. He has to go in for surgery. Oh, I know. But the thing is, is that you look at a lot of these NASCAR drivers now. You know, gone are the days of Jimmy Spencer and Tony Stewart. And now is the days of Kyle Larson, you know, and Ricky Stenhouse. It's the midget. The 135-pound soaking wet right. midgets. They're jockeys. I understand that. And but they're still they're still 
you know, tough guys. I mean, especially on the IndyCar side, you know, Sage Karam is 145 pounds. You don't want to mess with Sage Karam. The guy's a college uh, state wrestling champ. Yeah. I mean, there's guys out there that are put together at that weight. And, you know, I it just, I guess the thing that disappoints me um, um, on everything, though, that it, it is, and I've said this before, he's, he's, a, he's a Penske driver. And it's so un-Penske-like. Yeah, it is. Penske drivers to me are Mark Donahue, Rick Mears, Uncle Bobby, you know, Emerson Fittipaldi, even Rusty Wallace. You know, Rusty Wallace, there's a guy, that's a stock car driver. Mm-hmm. Like him, you know, you know, even even Ryan young a young Ryan Newman. And then Joey Logano, I just uh. You know, I understand exactly what you're saying. You know, I think and I'm not one of the the guys to sit there and overreact to this stuff and, you know, call for anybody to be suspended or whatever. But I think NASCAR did the right thing with suspending the crew member. The crew guy was stepped out of line. You know, he did. Uh, there's no reason for the crews to get involved. If your driver is a man, let him handle the situation. Well, Especially I was thinking about this. when Logano caused the situation. <laughs> I was thinking about this on the way over here. Have you ever been like in a bar and you got that one drunk friend who's kind of starting something and you know he's in the wrong, but you got his back. Of course. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to let his ass get kicked a little bit. Then I'll come in. It was a kid. You know, yeah. should, should Logano's crew do that? Okay, Joey, you got yourself into another tizzy. Uh, we're going to let your butt get kicked a little bit and then we'll come to your aid. Absolutely. That's the only way he's going to learn. You know, fight your own battles and stop running away from stuff that you have caused. And that's, like I said, that's the only way he's going to learn. And if the crew is tired of sitting there and, and sticking up for uh, for the big wimp, that's exactly he's, how they gotta he's got to handle it. He's got a reputation, too, though. You know, and Denny Hamlin was great. I mean the 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 Denny Hamlin impression of Joey Logano is just gold. Afterwards, yeah, it was it was. I think the um, the Kyle Busch one was uh, was good too. You know, Eric Amarola talking all kinds of crazy craziness about Kyle Busch, and uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna make it hell for him the yeah. next uh, couple weeks and all that. And Kyle Busch comes out and says, "I got a hell of a lot more to worry about than Eric Amarola." Mm-hmm. You know, now it, there's a no, no there's. Now, there's an interesting situation. You got Kyle Busch, who a lot of people don't like, but there's a respect there for his talent in that. But he doesn't do those Joey Logano things. Right. You can hate Kyle Busch for his attitude. He's a sore loser, which in a way feeds him. I mean, if you look through history of auto racing and sports in general, there's a lot of bad losers out there. One of the worst was A.J. Foyt. Right. AJ Foyt was an awful loser. And but that he thrived on that and he fed off of that. And Kyle Bush is kind of that way. When you see when he's you don't you know, there was a earlier this year he finished second and they're like, Wow, you know, that was a great race in that, but he's like, Yeah, I wanted to win the race. Second place is the first loser, you mm-hmm. know. And he walked away. He was genuinely pissed about finishing second. He wanted to win the race. Right. And that, that feeds him. So, I, uh, you know, Logano is just, 
irritates the beep out of me. You know, where, whereas Kyle Busch is not my favorite driver, but I, you know, he is a top three talent in in the series. The guy is a marvelous driver, and I understand where he's coming from, and I understand he's trying to feed off of that, and it works for him. You know, so Logano, that's just another thing. I had an electrician out at my house uh, this last week, and we. You know, we were kind of talking about NASCAR, and he said, you know, I used to watch a ton of races, but, you know, all these people retired and blah, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, so I'm not as into it anymore. He goes, but I flip on the race for the sole reason of watching Joey Logano get beat. So, he, you know, he goes, I don't really have a favorite driver Mm -hmm. now. I just spend all my time rooting against Joey Logano. It's kind of like Notre with Notre Dame football. Well, yeah. There's a lot of the Notre Dame football is popular for two reasons: those who love Notre Dame and those that have such a hatred for Notre Dame that whoever plays them, like tonight, and it's what I think Virginia Tech, just wants to see Virginia Tech beat Notre Dame. Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm definitely put me in the I hate Notre Dame column. But, uh, but yes, I agree. You know, it's one of those – he's one of those drivers. You know, there's teams, you know, like the Yankees. People are, sure. are uh, hate them because they win. They hate them for whatever reason, you know, because they spend gobs and gobs of money and all that kind of stuff and have, you know, an unfair advantage with no salary cap and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Insert reason here. But there are, you know, teams like that that, you know, people are united in their hatred for – and Joey Logano is kind of that person now in NASCAR. You have some of that with uh, IndyCar. You know, with the, the joke was especially in the, you know, ten years ago came up with the, uh, uh, with Ganassi and Team Penske. You know, being the, the like in Star Wars. You know, being the uh, the what you call it, uh, Darth Vader. Yeah, he is in charge of the. Uh, the, the brain part. I, I don't know. I don't, come on. I don't do Star Wars. Come on. I'll come to me at the breaks. But anyway, uh, you know, and, and you see this as F1 where people, there's a lot of people that don't like Lewis Hamilton. Right. It's nothing against Lewis. It's why do they hate Lewis Hamilton? Because he wins too much. I mean, that it's the same way. I was never a huge Ayrton Senna fan. Why? Because he won all the time, plus the shenanigans he pulled with Alain Prost. But that's another thing. But, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm an underdog guy. Yeah. There's two guys. If there's two teams, drivers, whatever, I'm going to pull for the under, underdog. Yeah, me too. So, Me too. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll talk more NASCAR and other stuff on the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and David Hobbs Honda. to the final inspection show brought to you of course by david hobbs honda make sure you get out to david hobbs might be a little snow on the ground but the snow's off the cars you can take a look at some new and used cars at david hobbs honda. hot deals make hot sh- hot deals make sure to check out davidhobbs.com for that and uh, unfortunately great lakes dragway is closed today they were closed in the last couple days obviously because of the snow and the cold but that's not re- no that's not a reason not to check out their website right jeff 
Right, absolutely. The 2020 season passes are now on sale in the e-store. Uh, fun races, you get combo pass, a racer, and a guest, single spectator, family group spectators. No shipping and handling charge if you buy it before the 26th of December. Go to GreatLakesDragaway.com to get your 2020 season passes. Phenomenal deal. We talk about it all the time. Yeah, how it is. affordable, how there's a hell of a lot more to do than just the racing. The people watching is great. The uh, the food is phenomenal. The drinks, the bar section that they've got is great. You know, you can't go out there and not have a good time. It really is. And, you know, just not only there's cool cars on the track, of course, going down, uh, going down the drag strip, but it's also kind of a uh, cool concours car show with lots of different kind of every you know if you it, hey I'm going down to drag strip I'm going to bring out my old you know sixty two Pontiac or whatever you got yeah bring it out there and it, so there's all lots of cars out there to look at and people to talk to you see a car got a question on a car go talk to the owner he'll he'll answer. And they got the Answer burnout section where these, you know, cars and trucks are sitting there flying around doing burnouts and donuts and stuff. It's there's so much stuff going on. And what's also fun, if you just want to go out there and watch Roy Henning run around with like a chicken with his head cut <laughs> off, that is entertaining too. Now it is no wonder that Roy Henning is in, you know, a hundred times the shape that I am in, because you watch him for 15 minutes out there, and you're tired just watching the poor guy. So, you know, but does a phenomenal job out there. Can't say enough good things about Great Lakes. It's a good time. You know, go out there. Prove us wrong. Yeah. Go out there and prove us wrong, because I, I guarantee you will have a good time. Yep, absolutely. Remember DC Solar? Sure do. Well, they had a they had a auction. Oh, yeah, not doing so well, huh? No, mm. I guess uh, what pyramid? I don't, I don't remember the specifics, but it's probably like a pyramid scam or something, you know. Allegedly. Allegedly, and uh, they were selling some cars, 149 cars. Wow, including uh, 10 classic Fiats, a bunch of Hummer H1s, and a 1978 Pontiac Trans Am once owned by Burt Reynolds. Hey. Uh, and 1965 Fury LAPD police car. That's kind of cool. Bunch of about a dozen Chevrolet Camaros, 1970 Plymouth Superbird. Uh, let's see here. 1939 Buick Roadmaster, a Nash, uh, Nash Metropolitan. That's one of those little fifties cars. Okay. It's one of those, if you saw it, you go, oh yeah, I forgot about even a, uh, uh, Hellcat. Which is the souped-up Dodge Challenger with this 780 horsepower or whatever, Dodge Demon, which is a souped-up Challenger Hellcat, I guess, and uh, yeah, pretty cool cars. Yeah, it was nice while it lasted. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it uh, it's a shame because Just, you know you get a new sponsor into the series well, and then it all went to hell here, real quick. Here's the deal. I I don't like I don't like being this guy, but. You know, been around racing as long as I have. You see a new sponsor come in with all sorts of bells and whistles, and you're like, and you don't really know what they do. That's always a red flag. Well, yeah. And we've seen this. 
countless, countless times over the years. Yeah. Or whether, whether it's just a name, a person, uh, we've seen that uh, before in uh, not only USAC but NASCAR and just just it throughout history there's always been. And uh, there's, there's a, there's a uh, sponsor in NASCAR right now that people are kind of giving a crooked eye to, like, oh, where are they getting all this money from? But it's like, all right, as long as the check's cash, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's uh, whatever. The, the teams are thankful for the support while they can get it. So It was interesting getting back to last week with Martinsville, how quickly that Eric Amarola, Kyle Bush thing went away. Yeah, yeah, it seemed. And to... it was quite the, uh, you know, I guess my problem is it. My problem with it was that maybe, and maybe because of the the shenanigans with uh, uh, Logano and uh, Hamlin. But I mean, if you cause a, a wreck that takes out other cars and causes a problem like that did, I think that that's when the officials should kind of step in and say, hey, you know. Report to the trailer, you know, NASCAR trailer after the race, car 18, car, you know, 10. Um, because if you're on a larger track, you, um, whatever, you don't really want to do that stuff at Texas or a real fast track, but a slower track. Richmond, let's say, you know, two two guys get together. Or an example would be like when Kenseth and Logano did it. You know, you just take out the two cars. But this way, you had other cars getting involved, and it caused a big melee right on the front stretch. So, Yeah, it you know, it was a mess. And, Were you uh, surprised by that? No, not really. <laughs> you know, not really at all. So, no, it wasn't surprising. It, um, you know. <sighs> to be honest, Jeff, I'm really surprised that stuff doesn't happen more. I, I am, too. I, you know, I'm I'm kind of surprised that, and uh, there's always been a kind of a gentleman's agreement that you don't do that kind of stuff at fast tracks. Right. And it seems like when this stuff happens, it's at a slow track, and then, oh, we're at a fast track, you can't touch me. Because Texas, you know, they're whipping around there, too, you know, you're getting close to 200 miles an hour, you don't want to take a guy out, you can kill somebody. So... You know, it's like oh, Amarola. You know what? What is Amarola going to do to Kyle Bush? That's kind of like the under. That's one of the things they're talking about this week. Nothing other, other, than, other than getting in his way, doing a Garrett Smithley. <laughs> you know, yeah. And the only the only way in apologies to Amarola is the only time he's going to have a shot is when Bush is lapping his ass. Yeah. You know, Amarola is not up there com uh, competing for wins. And we talk about how, you know, Kyle Bush is quote unquote struggling right now because it's been, what, like Eight. 15, 18 weeks since he's won. Yeah. You know, which for 99% of the garage, right. 18 weeks since your last victory is awesome. But uh, for Kyle Bush, we've grown to expect a, a lot more because of, of his past, his past results. But, you know, Eric Amarola isn't going to do squat to Kyle Busch. You know, and you want to sit there, and I understand heat of the moment, you're blowing off steam and all that, but anybody who took that seriously, you know, get real. Get real. You know, I'm, the other thing I don't doesn't surprise me is having, you know, um, have somebody else take him out. What, like a teammate? <laughs> no, like one of the, you know, scrums. You know, uh, somebody... Like a Garrett Smithley. Hey Garrett, you want you want funding? You want Kyle Bush uh 
Honda in your car next week. <laughs> I'll sponsor you. Take this guy out. Well, you know, it. obviously rivalries are good for the sport. Bad blood is good for the sport. It brings excitement. It brings storylines. It brings eyeballs to the television and butts to the seats. All that stuff is good. But when you get a fake-ass rivalry like this one, you know, you need drivers on the same level. And for years it would be, you know, me and you had a problem on the track. Right. Well, then the very next week, I start eighth, you start ninth. You start fifth, I start right behind you in seventh. You know, it just always seemed like the cars sat there and became linked for two to three weeks afterwards. Now it's not that way when you've got, you know, obviously Amarola's in good equipment and Stuart Haas, but he doesn't run nearly as well as Kyle mm-hmm. Busch. No. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it seems like a very one-sided uh, rivalry here. Is NASCAR or the media making too much of this? Are we making too much of this? The Amarola, or uh, I should say the Logano-Hamlin thing? It's been dominated, dominated the post-race. I feel sorry for Martin Truex. He's the guy who won the race. Nobody's talking about Martin Truex. He's you know punched his ticket to Olmstead, and he's just, you know, he was like, they asked him, well, what do you think? He's like, I don't care. I won the race. The only person who's happy uh, or the happiest person that uh, the Logano and Hamlin thing blew up is Martin Truex. He has won how many races yeah. this year? And Martin Truex, the only driver so far to punch his ticket to Homestead. And he is still under the radar. Yeah. How the hell is that possible? How is that possible? He does he, his job. He, he is absolutely the favorite. And Denny Hamlin is one of the favorites as well because of how well he's run, you know, last week notwithstanding. But uh, for Martin Truex to win that race and to still be under the radar is just mind-boggling, Steve. Well, let's go talk to Dennis Michelson. Uh, We'll find out if we're making too much of the rivalry, the fight, whatever you want to call it, last week at Martinsville. And then uh, we'll also preview Texas at Fort Worth at Texas Motor Speedway. Coming up next with Dennis Michelson on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Make sure you can go get your 2020 passes now at greatlakesdragway.com. And also David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out the latest new and used vehicles at davidhobbs.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from D-Mike Media, it is Dennis Michelson. And Dennis, welcome to the show. And real quickly, I'm giving the floor to you for 30 seconds. We're going to finish it once and for all. Logano, Hamlin, are we making too much about this? <laughs> Can't we just enjoy guys not liking each other and being upset with each other? You know, this is nothing new in racing. You know, not everybody loves each other. 
going on? And then the other, you know, the next 20 weeks when everybody's boring, they say, we need more passion in the sport. Yep, that is true. Well, let's move on. Let's move on to Texas. Of course, Texas Motor Speedway. We get to AAA Texas 500 tomorrow at 2 o'clock uh, our time. And then, of course, tonight we got the O'Reilly Auto Parts 300 Xfinity Series race tonight. And uh, it's Texas is uh, is is kind of a different animal, isn't it? Uh, you know, the people want to call it a cookie cutter, but it does have its unique traits. They've they've massaged it and changed it over the years, flattened out turns one and two. And, uh, you know, if you watch practice yesterday, you can still get yourself in a little bit of trouble out there, can't you, Dennis? Oh, my goodness. This track is so fast, and guys are on the edge. It is a – you know, the, the cookie-cutter label sort of got attached years ago, but there are not two identical mile-and-a-half tracks mm-hmm. on the NASCAR circuit. They all have their unique little – Synthesis. And when it comes to Texas, they've done a pretty good job of, of trying to drag that track and put some rubber down on it in the secondary groove to try to get another passing group. But that place is just flat out fast. And it's been, uh, uh, Clint Boyer has been the quick guy this weekend, but uh, over the last two races, it's actually been Kevin Harvick. I think Kevin Harvick's won two of the last four fall races at Texas, and who, who are some of the guys you're thinking are going to be the players in this race t- t- tomorrow? Well, I think, you know, we're going to see a situation where there's a couple of really fast guys who had bad luck in the first, you know, race of this this uh, elimination uh, of going from the round of eight to the round of four. You know, Chase Elliott has been really strong on these kinds of tracks. Denny Hamlin has been fast everywhere, but I really like Harvick's chances. And over the last five races, he's actually scored more points uh, at Texas than anyone else. He's my pick to win. I, I don't think he wants to go in a must-win situation mm-hmm. in Phoenix next week. And you got Denny Hamlin, who's quietly putting together a heck of a race. He's got five wins this year. And, you know, we've said this before, going into the – Going into the season at Joe Gibbs Racing, we were thinking he might be the odd guy out uh, with Christopher Bell coming on board. That certainly is not the case and is uh, probably, I I think, one of the top guys, I think, going into Homestead uh, and and going into this race to get to that final, uh, you know, the final round of four. Yeah, he's done it the, the typical way that a champion needs to do it, you know, yeah, he had some good races early in the season, but then it was the Kyle Busch show during most of the spring. And then Denny Hamlin, he kept getting better throughout the summer and into the fall. And now he is at the top of his game each and every week. He's certainly going to be one of the guys that you look for to be uh, strong in this championship. Yeah, certainly. And, and you look at the guys who've been kind of struggling and struggling i use that in air quotes uh for them it, it is like you said kyle bush earlier and then also joey logano they've been riding some winless streaks and you wonder is there a chance for a guy like let's say like kyle larson who this is probably his best chance to get into that final round of four 
And we've been saying that since, you know, he surprised people at Dover this year, you know, if he, if he can somehow get into that final four and be one of the guys at Homestead, he would certainly be a player for the championship. But getting that, getting a win perhaps at Texas could be his best chance. Yeah, this uh, him and uh, Ryan Blaney, this is the track where they really need to, to shine here if they're going to show anything the rest of the year. Yeah, it certainly is. And, you know, you wonder, you know, just – so so frustrating for Kyle Larson fans. Of course, he got banged up at Talladega, broke a rib, and you know you see him come into the pits and during practice or into the garage area yesterday during practice, getting more padding and that. So he's he's kind of playing hurt, and you're thinking, boy, if he could just pull this off, or you, know, you wonder, is there is there a path to him, you know, other than this? And I don't, really don't think so. I think uh, this is the only way he's going to be able to get in is uh, somehow catch a lightning in a bottle at Texas. So we'll have to see how that happens. I tell you what, uh, Dennis, let's take a quick break here. Uh, I want to talk more, more about Texas and just more NASCAR news in general. A lot of stuff happening in the world of NASCAR, uh, especially with silly season and that. And we got uh, John Hunter Nemechek starting his first cup race. I want to talk about that a little bit and Matt Tiff, the Matt Tiff situation coming up next on the final inspection show. Final inspection. Final inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. And hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Brought to you by, of course, Great Lakes Dragway, which is closed today. Can't imagine why. I can't imagine either, but, you know, <laughs> still go to GreatLakes.com, uh, GreatLakesDragaway.com, and you can buy your 2020 season passes. Awesome gift. You might not be able to see uh, cars going down the drag strip, but you can go see cars at 6100 North Green Bay Road, David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check them out. Also, joining us once again on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, Dennis Michelson. Welcome back to the show, sir. Yeah, it's great to be back. You mean you guys are having some weather issues? Yeah, question for you. How much snow did you guys get down? Uh, for for those who may not know, Dennis is in a secret location in his lair in roughly central Illinois. Uh, did, did you guys get snow down there too? Oh, no. Well, we had some flurries for the palm trees. And, you know, it's it tough <laughs> because, you know, it, it, I thought my coconuts were going to get into trouble. I thought they were going to get all frozen, but they were fine. So, yeah, we're down here in the, the beautiful tropics of central Illinois, uh, where we had a, about a slushy inch on the grass. Okay. Uh, that's good to hear. I was worried about your coconuts there, Dennis. Um, <laughs> now, switching uh, over to the truck race for a quick second here, Todd Gilliland finally, finally finds victory lane. Screams over to headset, stay in your in the motorhome, Kyle Bush, uh, and then you know Kyle Bush comes out and re- you know the reporter asks him, "Are you mad about what he said or with the stuff that that you have said in the past? You know, is do you just kind of take it with a grain of salt?" And Kyle Bush said, "Well, no matter what I've said in the past, I don't think I've ever attacked the boss." And then, um, you know, Bush did come out and say, well, you know, 
Gilliland's not going to get fired. He will still race for me these next two races. So not a uh, a big vote of confidence as far as Gilliland's situation for next season. What do you make of this whole thing, Dennis? Well, it's been a little absurd. You know, Gilliland has, has brought the money to be in that race car or the race truck. And then Kyle Busch has some little temper tantrum about his team's not performing as well when he's not driving. You know, I don't. I don't understand Kyle Busch sometimes when it comes to guys that have you know, gone out and gotten the funding. You know, and, and when you say, oh, you know, how do you know that he had to go out and get funding? Jimmy Raikkonen, a Formula One champion, came to NASCAR and had to spend over $300,000 of his own money and his sponsor's money to be in that race truck for three races. So, you're telling me if a Formula One racer had to buy the seat, that Todd Gilliland is not having to arrange to bring the sponsors to race? You know, this isn't a driver development program. It's the Kyle Busch Motorsports Races for Profit program. And I don't, I don't blame Gilliland at all for what he said and what he did because it wasn't like he was running horrible. It was just that he wasn't winning races. What was Kyle Busch worried that the value of what he could rent that seat for was going to go down? You know, I just I don't get what has happened with that whole bit. Um, it's not like his guys weren't running hard, and and they were getting beat by Cup drivers basically, or guys that had the talent to be up in the Cup series at one time. So I, I just don't understand Kyle Busch, but I'm I was happy that Todd Gilliland sort of put him in his place. Yeah, I was happy he won as well. But then again, I see the other side of it, too. You know, I've had many jobs. I've had bosses I liked. I've had bosses I've hated. Um, For the most part, it would be hard to tell which ones I liked and which ones I hated because I treat them all the same. Uh, And for anybody to act surprised that Kyle Busch took offense to this, you know, or that Kyle uh, Bush blew this out of proportion, hasn't paid attention to Kyle Bush for the last 10 years. Yeah, that's true, but it's a different situation. You weren't being critical of your bosses because they were actually writing you a paycheck, okay? Kyle Bush is not writing, you know, Todd Gilliland a paycheck for being in that ride. The Gilliland family has gotten the funding that they need to be in that ride. That's where the difference is. So to say he was, you know, for Kyle Bush to, to be referring to himself as the boss, he's renting equipment is what he's doing. And when you're doing that, it's a whole different employee-boss relationship. Yeah, and I think there's, a, there's some frustration there, too, because Todd Gilman is a very talented driver. Um, you know, he's a third generation driver. They've put a lot of money into his career. And unfortunately, Todd's also had not only some bad luck, but he's also made some bad decisions on the track over the last couple of years. And I, you know, he hasn't, uh, needless to say, he hasn't visited and in made the visits to victory lane as many times as one would think. So I think there's a bit, a bit of that too, 
uh, bubbling up. The frustration of his where he where he's at in his career. As I to be honest, I thought he'd maybe be a little bit further along than he is. I don't know. What do you think about that, Dennis? Well, it's hard to say how good a young racer he is sometimes because he's getting the best of equipment when he was on the short track, mm-hmm. doing well, but he wasn't winning everything, you know. And then he goes up to ARCA and he dominated in the races he competed in in ARCA, but it's ARCA and you can kind of buy your way up to the front there. Once you get up higher and higher levels, you're now going up against guys who are as talented as yourself. No different than in the stick and ball sports. How many guys do you see in high school where they just totally dominate their division in high school? And they're, you know, they're the, the big guy on campus. They move up to the next level, and all of a sudden they're competing against other guys who were the big guys on their high school campus. And now all of a sudden they look ordinary. The same thing happens in racing. You know, they, they used to refer to it in, in, in business as the Peter Principle, being, you know, being, being raised up to a level of your incompetence. You know, you're promoted to your level of incompetence. And that happens in racing, too. You get up to a level where you cannot compete like you did in that previous level. But in the case of Todd Gilliland, he's also a very young driver. Sometimes these guys have growing pains. When they get to the bigger, you know, tracks and the and the bigger, faster race vehicles, so not everybody is the wonder kid that all of a sudden is winning everything at age 18 like Kyle Busch was. Some of the guys they develop a little slower. They crash for equipment. Everybody develops at a different level, and I was very upset with Kyle Busch getting on his drivers early this year because that isn't something that his boss did to him either when he was wrecking equipment over at Hendrick Motorsports. You didn't hear Rick Hendrick or anybody in the organization bashing him in the media. So for him to now turn around and say, that's not how, you know, I've never treated my employers that way. Yeah, your employers have never treated you that way, and that's when they were paying for you to be in their car. They weren't, you weren't bringing the money like Todd Gilliland has been. So just a, just a weird one-way situation with Kyle Busch. But at least every time that he has gotten, you know, and said something this year, we don't have to hear how marriage and being a father has matured him. <laughs> Thank goodness we don't have to hear that anymore. Let's uh, let's switch over to the silly season, and it looks like one domino might be falling. Uh, might might look look uh, into the future here with uh, maybe where Cole Custer might be, Jeff. Right? Well, yeah, it looks like he's going to be stuck in the Xfinity series, doesn't it? Well, it could be in the thirty-two car, right? With Go Fast Racing, with their uh, alliance with uh, Stuart Haas. Well, it says in a new co- news conference Friday at Texas, team owner. Ruled out Cole Custer, who has seven victories in the uh, Xfinity Series uh, for Stuart Hot, uh, Haas Racing as a candidate for the 32. Now, why would that be, Dennis? Because it makes sense that they would go the same way like they're doing with Christopher Bell with the Joe Gibbs Racing with the 95. 
And I mean, where 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 do you think Cole Custer is going to go? I mean, it it looked like he was going to go to the thirty-two. Now he's not, yeah. or is he could still be? I don't know. What, what do you think? If again, it'll come down to money. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's that's the sad part of every level of racing right now. Is it's not a merit-based, performance-based situation. As much as it, you know, yeah, you have to be good enough. You, you know, if I had millions and millions of dollars, I couldn't buy a ride in NASCAR because I'm really bad at driving a race car. But it is not just merit-based. It has a lot to do with how much money you're bringing to the show. And here's the refreshing thing on how much money is, is making the decisions nowadays. Here's a guy who is the son of a major player over at Stewart Oz and has been a huge player in NASCAR for a long time, Joe Custer. And you're in a situation where not even he can get his kid a ride unless there's the money that they can secure in sponsorships. And it's still a big money boost, a big money jump from Xfinity up to Cup. And he's been, he's been working it too because you see Cole Custer – He's lost some weight. He's got a haircut. He's talking better. He's you know doing all the things that you're supposed to do. Because remember, I remember when Denny Hamlin came into the series, you know, a little bit, he was a little chunky Denny and this and that. And now he's slimmed down and he's got the look and everything. And you see some of these drivers going that direction, like Cole Custer. But you, you're kind of surprised that with with with, with Haas, you know, why you know he he just started a team for Kurt Busch a few years ago. He's putting all this money into Cole Custer in the Xfinity Series. Why not flip the bill for seven or eight races or at least half of it for the 32 car and then bring in another guy, whether it's John Hunter Nemechek, who's in the 36 car this weekend and the the rest of the year. You know, it just, I don't know. It's kind of a head scratcher, isn't it, Dennis? Well, you know, Custer's also wrecked some equipment at the lower level. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of performance things that go into it, too. He's, you know, but he's very talented. There's no question about that. He wins a lot of races. There's no question about that. But sometimes that isn't enough to get you up to that next level. Well, Dennis, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show, talking NASCAR and whatnot, and uh, we'll talk to you next week again. Looking forward to that on the Final Inspection Show. What's new at Do You Make Media? Oh, my goodness. Had a great time uh, last night calling my first hockey game with the Danville Dashers. We'll be out there again tonight, 7.05 start. You can find Danville Dashers on uh, on the YouTube channel. Or just find us on uh, Twitter, and you'll see the link. But we'll have a great time calling a game again tonight for the first place Danville Dashers. And, of course, getting ready for the big racetrack business conference coming up in December. Well, Dennis, if uh, Rubin's racing uh, in NASCAR, what do you call a check in hockey? Uh, good old-fashioned old-time hockey, you know, like uh, Eddie Shore. Told Eddie Blake. Shore, that's right. Told Blake, Eddie Shore, you know. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Thanks for joining us, Dennis. We'll talk next week, buddy. All right, guys, and put me down for Kevin Harvick as my pick this week. You got it. Booked it.
All right, coming up next, we're going to talk some open wheel racing and maybe some more NASCAR coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Of course, unfortunately, Great Lakes is closed today due to weather and cold, but you can still get out to Great Lakes online and get their 2020 season pass. As Jeff says, probably probably the best value in motorsports. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you want to sit there and butter up the old lady and uh, guaranteed to have some of that... Uh, "Quote unquote special time, get her, uh, get her, and the whole family a season pass, and uh, just be careful because nine months you might need to add an extra person on that season pass." Oh my! And <laughs> David Hobbs Honda, of course, make sure to check out DavidHobbs.com for all the best in new and used vehicles. DavidHobbs.com, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, of course, it's the AAA Texas 500 tomorrow at two o'clock and uh of course the 2018 winner kevin harvick kevin harvick's won two of the last four fall races there and uh, dennis michelson who we had him previously is picking uh kevin harvick and i am boy clint boyer would be the guy i'm still mulling, mulling that we'll do our predictions at the end of the show with eddie lapine but i'm thinking kind of Leaning towards Clint Boyer, but that's such a chalk pick at this point because he's been quick. He's been the quickest overall, quickest in the five lap, quickest in the ten lap practice sessions. Clint Boyer picking Clint Boyer to win is never a chalk pick. You know, he's had fast race cars, and for some reason, that team figures out a way to lose. Now, whether it's always his fault or not, you know, that's a different story. But uh, you know, he, he's been snake bit in the past, and, uh, you know, I don't care if he was fastest in every single thing that they've run so far. I still have – still, you know, it's hard for me to, to throw Clint Boyer as the hands-down favorite. Well, here's the thing. You got Kevin Harvick, who would be a favorite. Right. That one of the five. Throw him in your hand. You pull him out. He's definitely one of the favorites. Next week, you got Phoenix. Harvick's winning one of these two yeah, races. He could win both. He could win both. But yeah, he's going to find victory lane either this week at Texas or next week at ISN uh, Phoenix. Phoenix. So, you know, he's going to find victory lane. You know, if it's this week or next, who knows? But, uh, you know, that's why there was a lot of talk uh, this week about 
how worried are you? How worried should Kevin Harvick be? Because if we were going to Miami tomorrow, you know, if we were in Miami this week, Harvick wouldn't be a part of the final four. He's on the outside looking in. He's got some catching up to do to make the championship race at Miami Homestead. So there was a lot of talk on, you know, should he be nervous? How is the team going to react to a situation that's different than he's been dealing with the last handful of years where he's basically been a lock to go to uh, Miami year after year after year in contention here? I'm not worried for Kevin at all because, like I just said, he's going to win either tomorrow or he's going to win next week at Phoenix. One of these races is his. He dominates on both of these tracks. He likes the fast uh, the fast tracks. He uh, This one plays right into his hand, being a 500-miler. Him and Ro- uh, Rodney Childers could sit there and work on their car, make it better the entire day long, where, you know, if Harvick comes out struggling in the first quarter of the race, he's going to get it turned around and be up in the front to contend at the end. So uh, I don't think that, uh, you know, Kevin needs to be worried at all. Who has the most pole positions this year? Two drivers. One's a Chevy, one's a Ford. Okay. Uh, Would it be? We spoke about him earlier. One of them. One is William Byron, isn't it? Yes. Very good. Friend of the show. Yeah. Friend of the show. And th- shocking that William Byron is tied for the lead for most pole positions this year. I can't figure out the Ford. Is it? Is it Logano? It is. Or um, Harvick. It is Kevin Harvick. Yes. I'm surprised at that. The Byron thing kind of surprised me too. He's been running quite well lately. You know, he could sneak in there and and spoil. Because, you know, you always look at, for, for a driver to get his first win, it always seems like they get a bunch of top fives. Right. Yeah, and he's doing that right now. Things are... That's exactly how it worked out for Kyle Larson. Right. And it, it's like, he's right there, and it would not surprise me if he won one of these next two races. Yeah. I, you know, I'd be surprised. But, but yeah, you know, because right now, if you had to, to put a favorite on each of the next three... Texas is Harvick, Phoenix is Harvick, mm-hmm. Miami is Larson. Yeah. I, I want to see Larson in there so bad. I just hope there's a way. You know, I it would make for one hell of a, of a finishing race at Miami Homestead if Larson is competing for that championship, knowing how dominant he is down there. Because it changes the dynamics oh, absolutely. Of, of what a NASCAR championship is. NASCAR championship in the past has been the guy who deserved it, who ran well the whole year. Most now consistent. it's turned into a tournament. It's it's the NCAA tournament, which you want to turn it into. It's the guy that's hot at the end of the year. Right. So if Har- if 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 Larson can somehow do this, Larson in no way in hell deserves to win the championship. Right. On his record. Right, of course. And but if, if you he's... like chaos like me, <laughs> that's who you should be rooting for. Right. Because uh, or, you want nuts, let's get nuts. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're just a general hater of the whole NASCAR playoffs to begin with, because maybe if Larson won the title this season, that would create the groundswell of people angry enough to actually have NASCAR 
oh, I forgot. They'll never listen yeah. to their fans. Right. But, it, you know, it, it was a good thought until I realized who we were talking about. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, we we didn't really didn't, didn't have time with uh, with Dennis was John Hunter Nemechek in the thirty six. That's kind of a complicated situation with the because of the situation. To be honest, with Matt Tift, Matt yeah. Tift, of course, was it last year? I think had the benign uh, brain tumor removed yeah. from him. Now all of a sudden at Martinsville, I think it was last week, he had a seizure. Yeah, and, and here's the hard part: they don't know why. So. There's a part of you, if you're in Matt Tiff's situation, you wish there was something there, something that, okay, here's the issue, let's take it out, boom, we can move on. Now, though, in this situation where there's no real red flag, he's not going to get cleared to drive. It's- he's not, but he's lucky that it's right at the end of the season. Right, right. Where That's he can true. undergo just 8 billion batteries of tests where they can try to find out what the heck is going on so he's back in that seat next year. But, you you know, you can't help but feel bad for him oh, yeah. and everything that he's going through. But like I said, A, he's very lucky. This is right at the end of the season, so he's still got all the experience from running earlier. And, B, what the hell has John Hunter Nemechek done to deserve this ride? He brought a check. Yeah, it's exactly. What we, it's what we talked about earlier. Exactly. And- he does not deserve to be running in that car. No, but let's see what he does, though. How many times have we seen, even though it doesn't matter, I mean, the guy could get a top-10 finish. It ain't going to change things because you're still going to need money to get into that ride. Absolutely. Uh, next year. So, I mean, it's, well, let's see the kid. You know, let's see what he can do. And I'll be rooting for him, you know, like we talked about. I root for the underdogs. Reminds me of a situation now going on about 10 years ago where Eric Darnell was, you know, saw the kid, you know, since he was running go-karts. You know, go through the gong show with Roush, get into the truck series, get an Xfinity race uh, series full-time, won truck races and that, and moved on, got bounced around, got into the Xfinity series, and at the end of the year, got a ride in the Cup series and drove the last, I think, seven or eight races. But that was pretty much the end of his career, though. I'm not saying that's the case with Sean Hunter Nemechek, but I'm just saying, you know, it was cool seeing – you know Eric Darnell in a truck race or in a in a cup race, not a whole lot competitive. It wasn't a great ride, but it was kind of cool seeing you know hey this kid finally made it to the Cup Series even though you know the outlook after this doesn't look good and it wasn't. Yeah, and- he's one of these guys who went moved on though. He became Mister Mom. His wife is still a manager at Roush Racing uh, on the administrative side. So you know, but. And it's something you can never take away. If no. John Hunter never runs another cup race, he's been there. He's done that. He'll have the, uh, you know, he'll and, at least be shown during the uh, the starting lineup. And, uh, you know, he, he's got that to prove that he was there and he made it to the, to the ultimate uh, stage. And it's a true family affair. I mean, that is a tight, you know, his dad has been behind him his whole career. And, you know, it's a sad situation the story because he's named after uh joe's brother who was killed at homestead early on in i think 1997 right and then uh, john uh came john hunter came was i think she was already pregnant with him and so they named him after you know his brother was killed so that's the only reason i didn't make fun of his name Mm -hmm. you know if i was him i'd be going by jh or uh, you know something but uh it wouldn't be John Hunter. Well, when you're named after somebody, 
and you're in that same vocation. Oh, I know. I you know. know. That's like I said. That's yeah. the reason. You know, I didn't make fun of them. That and when I was growing up, my favorite show on TV, Hunter. You know, I don't think I've ever saw that show. Really? I mean, I've seen bits of it, but I was never really uh, Pat. Um, Pat, the guy from uh, Rams. Yeah. Uh, and Giants. Back when defensive linemen were 220. Fred something. Fred Dwyer. Fred Dwyer. And Dee Dee McCall was his partner. <laughs> I forgot what uh, what that was, but she was one of them 50-50s. Half the, half the show, she looked like a smoke show. And then the other half, it was like, eh. you know. But, uh, oh, yeah, I think I've seen every episode of Hunter that was ever on. Oh, my. Yeah. The 215-pound defensive end. Yeah. Fred Dwyer. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, let's take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about Greg Moore. There's a pretty cool video that's been uh, on YouTube, and I think if you're a race fan, especially if you're an a IndyCar fan, uh, it's pretty neat, and I want to talk about uh, Greg Moore, who unfortunately passed about 20 years ago this weekend. So uh, when we come back, we're going to talk some IndyCar racing coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection Show brought to you by Legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out davidhobbs.com for all the latest in new and used cars, especially Hondas. And also greatlakesdragway.com for your 2020 season pass. One of the best deals in racing and fun at greatlakesdragway.com. Steve Zotke along with Jeff Orlowski yeah. in studio. Enjoying the sun. Well, it's sunny in here. It's all sunny. <laughs> sunny bird singing. Yeah. Yeah. It's warm. Yeah. Got shorts on. Yeah. So, not bad. Can't complain. And uh, we don't talk too much NHRA, but some history was made yesterday. In Las Vegas, Brittany Force made the fastest run in NHRA Top Fuel History Friday at 338.17 miles an hour at the Strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, topping the first two rounds of qualifying at the Dodge NHRA Nationals. Force finished in 3.659 seconds to set a track record time. She's chasing her ninth number one qualifier of the year and 19th overall. Wow. That's that's humping. Yeah, yep, that is quick. That is quick. So... Of course, what's all the speculation? And uh, on in chat rooms and social media net, when are they going to slow them down? <laughs> That's probably coming soon. So Yeah, I hope not. You know, NHRA is one of the coolest events that, uh, that I like to go to. I love it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's the one time that you'll ever see me with earplugs. Okay. And the only time. Yep. You know, I go to, I don't know, you know, 40, 50 concerts a year, never wear them. NASCAR, don't wear them. You know, anything. I, I never wear earplugs. NHRA, oh, yeah, those those bad boys are stuffed in there. So that is, it's crazy loud, but it is awesome. 
the way that they set up that series and how they keep it moving and they keep, you know, the, the cars just go, a run, a run, a run, a run, a run. There's no long extended breaks or anything like that. It's, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, before I went, when, uh, when I was going to go for the first time, I sat there and I'm like, how is it going to be fun sitting there for four hours watching cars just go a quarter mile at a time oh it's cool man it is a uh theater of the senses it is the smells that that you smells you can literally feel it through your feet oh yeah it it's just it's it's amazing it is amazing it is super cool and uh, you want to talk about a a completely different racing crowd than what i was used to you know I've gone to IndyCar races. I've gone to NASCAR races. I grew up going to dirt track races. Uh, you know, been to the Demolition Derby eight eight million times. And uh, the crowd at NHRA is completely different. And, uh, you know, and that's not in a, in a bad way at all. You know, it, just good people and uh, just, you know, just different. And it was awesome. I loved every second of it. Uh, wanted to talk about Greg Moore. Greg Moore unfortunately passed away Halloween weekend, 1999, 20 years ago at Fontana in a, a grisly accident, uh, at the 500 mile race cart race out there, um, in California. And, and it's Greg Moore is, is one of these drivers who never ages, unfortunately, uh, because he, he died so young, but was on verge of stardom. Uh, winner at the Milwaukee Mile, and he's one of these guys. If you c- came into the sport late after that time, and Marshall Pruitt, who put together a really cool video on on it, I highly recommend. Uh, Greg, Greg Moore had a lot of friends in the paddock. Uh, among his among his close friends were uh, Paul Tracy, Dario Franchitti, and uh, Max Pappas, and those guys love to have fun together. And they truly pushed the envelope and was able to see that firsthand a couple times. And, you know, those were, I mean, you want to talk about like entourage type situation? That was it. I mean, those guys were, nice. those guys were fun. And, you know, Greg Moore was a very, you, Marshall Pruitt always talks about a guy, a young kid comes up to him a year or two ago and like, what's the deal with Greg Moore? I mean, he only won five races. You know, was he that good? And, you know, Marshall goes like, you, you can't just look at a Wikipedia page when looking at drivers. There's a lot more there. And that's so true. You look at drivers, uh, Alan Kowicki is one. Jim Herdebees is another driver in the past. There's a lot of drivers out there who were bigger than life and were talented but not necessarily had the um, – results but we're probably on the verge of it uh you have somebody like jim herdebees who got hurt um came back to racing but was never really the same uh you have a situation where alan kawicki of course was killed in a plane crash greg moore was going to be moving to team penske the following year and who knows where his career would have gone i mean let's put it this way elio castro neves replaced him who went on to be a three-time 
Indy 500 winner. Yeah. I think those of those of the of us who studied the sport and especially talked to Paul Tracy, Dario Franchitti, and Max Pappas feels Greg Moore would have had no problem winning three Indy 500s, if not more. So it's really it's a, it's a celebration of, of his life, and I, I highly recommend it. And I guess what, when you talk about somebody like Greg Moore, he was such a talented driver and just a good guy, though. He was great to work with on the media side, and what you saw is what you got. Yeah. I mean, the guy was light to have fun. And now let's talk about the other side of Greg, you know, the out-of-the-public Greg guy, out-of-the-public eye Greg Moore. But it wasn't a bad Greg Moore. There wasn't an evil Greg, but the guy liked to party. Yeah. Which, uh, but, and, but when it came to doing stuff in a car, he can do a lot of things. And he liked to push it, and he had no fear, unfortunately. <laughs> and that's kind of what and Dario Franchini, or no, I think it was Paul Tracy, that's kind of did it. You know, that kind of did him in because he, he was on the outside passing cars at Fontana, coming off a of two, got loose, and then hit the inside wall. And it's one of those situations is before safer barriers, before Hans devices, and it was just a bad angle that really kind of did him in, and of course speed. But um, yeah, just he to see him race at Milwaukee and win at Milwaukee at such a young age, and that's the other thing that's that's too a lot of people forget is that he was so uh, he was very young at, at and came up through the ranks. There was a lot there left. So we were just kind of getting. Scratching the surface. Scratching the surface. And, uh, you know, coming up through Indy Lights and that, you show talent. And, you know, Paul Tracy was like the first Canadian on that in, in that era that kind of came up in the Toronto area. And, you know, of course, there was Villeneuve. But Villeneuve was a different situation because his son, his, his dad was so famous. He was a son, second generation racer and that. And he had, you know, he had talent. But Paul talks about in this video about how, you know, he's hearing about this other kid coming up behind him who was a couple of years younger and was kind of pushed him along and that. And, and how he came in and got the player's sponsorship, which primarily only backed um, French Canadians. Okay. And he was one of the first English-speaking Canadians that the players uh, – to tobacco company backed and that was a big thing back then for canada so uh highly recommend it go to racer.com look for it uh and uh you if you want to know about more about what type of person what kind of driver greg moore was go to that don't go to wikipedia because it's not going to give you the whole the whole picture as they say see i like when you give a rundown like this because you know it could go one of two ways where you know it's doom and gloom and and depressing and Oh, we lost this guy. Oh, it was terrible. Or it could be like a celebration of his life, which is it really is you know, because these guys when they strap in, they know, and Greg knew this, and I've said this about Dan Weldon and others. They know what can happen. Right. It's the same thing with a pilot. Uh, you know, uh, whether it's a fighter pilot, whether it's a pilot that does stunt uh, flying or anything, they're doing what they want to do, and they. They live by pushing an envelope, and if something happens, so be it. They don't want it to happen. Right. They're not trying to cheat death, but situations happen. Well, and the thing is, is that, you know, 
You look at the amount of deaths in racing, and obviously, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, it was a lot more than it is now. But then you look at the amount of deaths on regular American roads. Oh, yeah. You know, and people don't think that way. And with the amount of, you know, uh, reckless driving, drunk driving. uh, And football. I do a lot of research, and there's a lot of newspapers that are available online now, old newspapers. And if I'm looking up information, I always start looking at newspapers and sports sections and news sections, anything. You know, you start getting diverted by other stuff you see. Right. And, I mean, somewhere in my archives, I, I saved it. I was shocked. It was like. 300 football players were killed in a 10-year period. Yeah. A lot of them were in high school in that. I was just, like, blown away. I'll look I'll look for that in the break, see if I can find it. I was shocked how many football players were getting killed in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah. You, you know, know. There was a situation, of course, with the Detroit Lions back in, I think, 71, 72, where uh, the one wide receiver died, but he had a, uh, an issue, a cardiac issue. Uh, but, yeah, it's, you know – Nobody, it, it the, the sport is safer, and unfortunately, there's a little bit of, and I've talked to people that have been in the sport for a long time, the newer people have a hard time wrapping themselves around it if something happens. Case in point, Dan Weldon or somebody else. Right. You know, it, unfortunately, it, it happens, and you have to move on. And the people that it happened to will tell you that, you know, I always say, I remember this as clear as day out, you know, downtown Milwaukee at a restaurant. Weldon telling me if I die in a race car, so be it. I'm going to die happy. Yeah. And I'll never forget that. And, you know, sadly it happened five years later, but you know, it's like they know what they're doing. They know what, what can happen. And that's true enlightenment. They understand the risks. Mm -hmm. They're willing to take it on. They obviously don't want it to happen, but they know that it could. Uh, but they're doing what they love. And every person in the world should be living the exact same mm-hmm. way. You know, every day, uh, you know, should be lived like it's going to be your last because you have no idea. You know, the, the mailman could run over you. A dog could bite your face off. You have no idea what the hell's going to happen. And they're, 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 they're people that are different. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. I mean, you, you see a lot of these drivers are but there are some that are just larger than life figures. Well, and the fact and everything they do is that way. They're right. just dynamic people. They're the kind of person when when you when they walk into a room, you notice it. Mm-hmm. And you've seen it with football players working here and and and, and other athletes and that. In, in order for you to be the best at whatever you do, it takes a special person. And you know they all say, "Why well, are CEOs worth so much?" And that and that's another debate. But I, I've seen, you know, I've met CEOs through uh, marketing and that, doing stuff in auto racing, and, and those and those guys too. I mean, when a when a when a, a person of of power, whatever you want to say, they they are a little different. They have they they can you notice them when they walk into that room. Yeah, they're that type of personality. Well, and for uh, more to be getting the love from, you know, Paul Tracy and uh, Max Pappas and and those guys, that's great company. And, yeah. uh, you know, those guys are all established in their own right. Obviously, they know more of uh, of the ins and outs of racing than I do. You know, I know you've been around it for 
uh, your whole life, but uh, as someone like me who, you know, is basically a fan more than I am a racing media guy, uh, you know, all those guys have forgotten or, you know, if they if they went out and drank last night, they killed more brain cells that, you know, uh, <laughs> Uh, that you know about racing than I have to begin with. So for th- all those guys to give that that amount of acc- accolades to more, that tells you the talent level and where that kid's career was going. You know, Tracy talks about a time they're racing at Motegi, and he passes more, and he's going down the backstretch. He's like, because of the configuration of the track, turns three and four were a lot tighter, very hard to pass. And he's like, I got this. Yeah. He goes into three and four, puts his car in a position on the track where, you know, nobody's going to get around me. He's coming out of four. He looks, there's this blue car next to him, and he passes him for the win. He's like, the hell? Where did he come from? <laughs> and he's all pissed off, and he's like, you know, and they go, he, they, he pulls alongside of him in turn one, and more, he's just pumping his fist, giving him the thumbs up, like, that was a great race, and you could see how enthusiastic he was, and he's like, "I couldn't be mad at him because <laughs> he was, you know, it was a hell of a movie made, you know, and I didn't think that anybody could make that move, and he pulled it off, and that's the kind of a driver he was, and you know, like I said, who knows how many championships he would have won, and and it's just, you know, that that's a sad part of it is that we were robbed to see him run at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and there's always been some speculation with him running. With Penske, would he, because he was just a racer, he wanted to race all the time, would he have gone to NASCAR? And he was probably the type of racer that, you know, he was a pure, pure type racer that probably could have made that transition to stock cars. You know, who knows where he would have gone. But yeah. the, the the world, you know, Penske was going to give him a opportunity to do what he wanted to do wherever he wanted to do at a high level. And that's that's what's sad about it is that we didn't get to see that and it, it truly is. Nothing against Elio Castro Neves. Super nice guy. You know, every any interactions I've had with him were great. But I really loved Greg Moore, man. That kid was special. And, you know, that, that's the sad part of it. I will, I'm not, not a huge Team Penske fan because, you know, I'm the underdog guy. But, you know, when Bobby Unzer drove for Penske, I was all in, you know, and, and when – when I heard Greg Moore was going to do that, I was like, I'm all in because I want to see this. So i tell you what, let's take a quick break now. When we come back, we're going to talk to Eddie Lapine, who's in Austin, Texas, and talk about some Formula One and United States Grand Prix coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. <laughs> Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with David Hobbs Honda, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from RacingNation.com. It is Eddie Lapine. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Hey, guys. How's it going today? Fantastic. Fantastic. No complaints here. Hey, before we get into some uh, Formula One, I did want to, uh, I guess you can call it kind of pseudo-Formula One, 
I guess. Some IndyCar news uh, I forgot to mention earlier. The Arrow McLaren uh, Racing SP team uh, named their drivers with Pato Award and uh, and asked you as their drivers leaving James Hinchcliffe kind of on the outside looking in. Uh, what did you think of that news, uh, Eddie? Well, I, I kind of, you know, I mean, I read what uh, Zach Brown put on Facebook because he was really getting bashed mm-hmm. that they're going to lose Hinchcliffe, and Hinchcliffe was like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Hinchcliffe, uh, you know, maybe Ray Hall. Uh, That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just for the simple fact that, you know, he's a Honda driver, and what the complex part of the whole deal was was that uh, they were only going to give him a year, and uh, he'd have to give up his Honda deal um, and, and take a chance and go over there and run Chevrolet with them. So... And then, you know, Zach decided to go a different route and with the youth. And he feels like it's, you know, going well in, at, uh, in F1 with that direction. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, to have two uh, Indy Light champions, I think, uh, I, I think that was just a good move for him. Well, and, you and, 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 and you and look the at money probably too. Right. Well, and, and, and you look at Pat O'Ward coming in the, the, this year, uh, late last year, he was probably known as the quicker of the two between him and Colton Herta, even though Curtin Herta was very, very look, you know, looked well upon. But uh, Pat maybe, you know, some of took it that he was maybe possibly, you know, a little bit quicker out of the box. But, you know, going in this direction with going with uh, Oliver Askew, what, what you're doing is you're getting your you're getting your two guys locked in for a couple of years as opposed to having Hinchcliffe in there for a year and then maybe bringing in Askew a year later. This way, there's some continuity there. I think overall it makes sense for, for Brown and McLaren. I, I would have got, probably gone in this direction too. And to be honest, there's some rumblings in the paddock that you know Hinchcliffe is a good driver in that, but yeah, maybe he's not at, the, at that very pointy end of the stick Whereas with Award and and Oliver Askew, there's a lot of talent there, and maybe two years down the line we're going to be talking about them more than we are Hinchcliffe at this point. I don't know; that remains to be seen. But with Honda, it does make sense to to go to a Honda back team as strong as Rahel uh, Letterman and go into that third car because they've been asking. They you know they want to do a third car. It makes sense. You know it just. Overall, it just it, it just seems like I think overall it'd be better for the Hinchcliffe if you would end up at Ray Hall than it would be to have that uh, kind of one year kind of hanging in limbo season with McLaren. Well, yeah, and I mean he really, you know, I mean he's been a little quiet on on the radar mm-hmm. the last couple of years. I mean he he got the pole at Indy, but I mean, you know, that bad crash and he had another crash, and you know, I mean there could have been a couple concussions in the mix too that mm-hmm. people don't think about um, that, you know, you can post all you want on social media about how disappointed you are about not having him there, which he is. He's, he's great to have in the paddock. He's got a nice following and he'll be sadly missed, but you know, I mean, the sport's brutal and uh, you know, I mean, they look at what you just did lately and he was, he was getting paid pretty well too. Yeah, he was. And uh, switching over to, to uh, Formula One, 
Of course, everything's happening in Texas this week. We got NASCAR at Fort Worth at Texas Motor Speedway, and then you have the Circuit of the Americas, the United States uh, United States Grand Prix Formula One, and it certainly has been uh, uh, the Lewis Hamilton show. I think out of the seven or eight races there, he's he's been on the podium uh, every race except for one. Uh, is this going to be the race he wins the championship at? Well, I mean, you have to say yes. I mean, I think it's four points. I think now, and I, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be uh, right up there. I mean, they're all they're practicing right now, and and they're all sandbagging anyways until qualifying <laughs> in a couple hours. So, oh, and for people that don't know, sandbagging not showing what you have. <laughs> And, you know, one team that's kind of been steady, moving up, moving up throughout the year slowly but surely is is that team McLaren. We talked about it in, in, in IndyCar, and you see those orange cars moving their way up, up especially, at, you know, when they're lined up to start the race. Uh, could we see a, a team McLaren uh, on, on the podium this week at, in, at Circuit of the Americas? Um, I mean, they could be the fastest of the sec. You know, I mean – I would think it'd be very difficult for them, but they have totally turned that program around, and Zach Brown has done an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Um, he he brought uh, Adrian Cedillo from uh, Porsche, and he's the team manager, and he brings a lot to the table. He's the guy that ran the 919 Porsche program. Okay. Uh, multiple Le Mans wins, and he has definitely uh, really turned the tables on that team. And again, they have two hungry drivers too that are very good. Yeah, certainly is. And another driver to look out for this weekend is, is a a Verstappen in the red ball. Who's been uh, not having a year that we thought, but still has been very, very competitive. And unfortunately, Probably could take a, if you take those three races where he had those early DNFs, it could be a different season for him. Oh, totally. I I think that you know, I mean, he's a factor every every track that he goes to. the The only problem is is they just don't have the power that Mercedes and Ferrari does have, and and that's a big issue. They definitely have the handling package down. Yeah, and then uh, then we have Ferrari. It's always a soap opera with Ferrari. Never a dull moment with that team. And uh, Charles Leclerc and uh, and Vettel. Uh, what what what's a Formula One team without a little controversy and uh, competitiveness between the two drivers, right? Oh, exactly. And uh, they're just getting winding down in that third session, and uh, Vettel went to the top of the charts, and the times are dropping. And, yeah, you're right, Steve. I mean, Ferrari has always had that uh, that, that uh, controversy and mm-hmm. uh, that, the conflicts, I should say, too. And, you know, they, they could have had several more wins this year and be a real factor. But, you know, their pit strategy and the technical part of uh, the race, they, they have uh, kind of got uh, – C minus when it comes to that, where Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton just rise to the occasion, race day. Yeah, it certainly does, and I mean that 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 goes back for for years, even going 
before Villeneuve and Peroni and that uh, Mr. Ferrari kind of wanted that, wanted the drivers to be testing and pushing each other. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's nothing new. You know, that's probably one of the things that's always kind of uh, – uh, some of the the American race fans who who maybe get jump into Formula One late after following IndyCar and NASCAR and other forms of racing have a hard time wrapping their their arms around is is how that relationship between the two drivers and the teams and and team orders and and the pecking order and everything kind of seems alien to a lot of uh, American viewers, but it's always been a part of that. It's just it's 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 that European way of doing things on a race team. It's always changed things. And uh, like you were saying, uh, Sebastian Vettel right now is quickest with uh, Max Verstappen, a second, uh, Valtteri Botas, who is just the, the steady guy, number two guy. I mean, th- now there's a number two driver, right? Eddie, I mean, Valtteri, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Botas is the ultimate number two driver. I mean, you know, you're faster than him. And unless you have a problem, you know, in most cases, he's going to be finishing uh, behind you, yeah. right? Yeah, or or letting him pass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, yes, I mean, it's the whole team and the whole car is built around Lewis. And, you know, Lewis rises to the occasion. I mean, six championships he's uh, looking at this weekend. And uh, it, it's an incredible uh history mark uh i mean he's on his way uh to break every schumacher record and uh i I thought uh mr botas would give him a little more than he has since he's come over there but he he just seems to uh he can't handle the pressure i mean qualifying crash last weekend um just he's just off a tick i mean one weekend he's good just the consistency isn't there and uh you know as the points you're making yeah he's the perfect guy to have as your teammate uh, it, he listens to, to what he has to do uh two drivers i wanted to kind of highlight uh of course kimi rockinen rackinen who who won the race last year uh for ferrari uh is running quite well but also uh alexander alban who's been surprisingly quick uh young young driver and what's your opinion on him real quick before we take a break here? oh i i think i think he's really i mean it's impressive um i really thought pierre gasly was going to be somebody that could give mr verstappen a little run but uh you know he couldn't do it and uh he's getting better albon's getting better every weekend he's he's very competitive and give him a little chance and you know he could be right there there's my boy there's my boy lando lando norris for team mclaren up to third so we'll see how long that holds so i tell you what eddie let the, let's take a quick break when we come back we'll come back with predictions for not only uh nascar at fort worth at uh, texas motor speedway but also formula one at the circuit of the americas coming up next on the final inspection show this is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection show. Steve Zaki, Jeff Rolowski in studio. Eddie Lapine joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. All right, let's review what we have so far. We got Dennis is taking Kevin Harvick. We'll also give him uh, 
Lewis Hamilton for the Formula One race. I will take Clint Boyer for for uh, Fort Worth, NASCAR, Texas. I can't say Texas because Texas F1. And I'll take uh, Max Verstappen for the U.S. Grand Prix. There you go. Uh, Eddie, what do you think? Eddie, I'm going to go with, uh, for the NASCAR race, uh, Martin uh, Truex. Truex. For the F1 race. I, I'm, I'm just going to. I'm going to go with Hamilton. He's going chalk. Right now before qualifying. All right. All right. F1, Jeff. I'm going with uh, my brother from another mother, uh, Lando Norris. Ooh, I like that. And uh, for NASCAR, he's he's bound to win sooner or later. Give me Kyle Busch. All right. Very good. Eddie, we certainly appreciate it. We'll chat next week on the Final Inspection Show. Thank you, Dennis Michelson, for coming on in the first hour. Uh, fun show, and we'll chat more next week on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.